Super excited today to welcome Chris Kelly, CEO and co-founder of Clarion. I think it's going to be a great discussion today. Chris has a very unique perspective developing software solutions for the industry, for the field, for utilities. So he's got a very interesting company and uh, he's been doing this for 15 plus years. So uh, let's get into it. This is an exciting day because we've uh, we've been trying to schedule this for 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 a bit, and you know we we talked to Chris and and we've obviously been using the Clarion software, um, but before we dive too too much in, um, Chris, maybe you can tell tell our audience a little bit about what Clarion does um, and a little backstory of of how you started the software company like fifteen plus years ago. Yeah, so it was a little over fifteen years ago, and uh, we, my co-founder and I, had worked together in another geospatial software company focusing on utilities and uh, uh, mobile technology was was starting to to get real for some of these use cases, and uh, we. I'd heard people at our utility customers talk about uh, this thing called vegetation management. And we said, uh, how hard could that be? It's just, you know, trimming trees. And 15 later, 15 years later, we're, we're realizing uh, how much we still have to learn. But uh, we, we've been focusing on, uh, you know, the, the, the office management, you know, the management for, you know, multi-year tree trimming programs, vegetation management programs. Um, and then really getting that information out to the field to arborists, contractor, uh, different contractor roles, auditors, and uh, a lot of financial and regulatory reporting and uh, supply chain management. Uh, it's 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 a pretty expansive uh, solution, and and we feel like we still focus on a fairly you know narrow part of the overall vegetation management technology and and you know broader workflow. I think our touch with with Clarion has been you know only and a part of the suite of services, but you'd call it a suite of services, right? A suite of software solutions for for the field like work management stuff but also back end stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really got to be both. Uh you've got to have you know this this vast amount of work, you know, well organized, but you also have to get, you know, very specific information out to the right people in the field and uh you know, keep allow utility companies to kind of manage a a portfolio of contractors where we need to have data separated and make sure we we keep the grid safe from cybersecurity threats and uh, it's it's it, it's a it's a lot that's a challenge because there's so many people involved in the uh, vegetation management process you know does the idea that they have to all be integrated into one system for sure absolutely obviously utilities large organizations Lots of different stakeholders. And from a software perspective, where does the, you know, who owns the the decision-making process? So like, is, is your sort of solution live with the technology decision makers in the utility or is it owned by the business? It probably depends on the utility. Uh, it's it's de- definitely a question. I mean, I think that, you know, u- utility IT organizations, you know, obviously need to to be, uh, hyper aware of cybersecurity. And there's also, you know, just a general trend in the industry to, uh, try to, I think they call it vendor rationalization, you know, try to have a smaller footprint of vendors, uh, providing IT, uh, products and services, uh, just so it can be manageable. Um, so, 
It's, you know, I think, I think the fair, the fair way to characterize it is that, you know, it, it is a, it is a mixture of IT review and, uh, you know, giving their blessing and making sure that, you know, what the, what the business unit, what the operating, you know, business unit is, is buying is, is, you know, consistent and compatible with the things that, that, you know, IT cares about. But it also has to work for, you know, a very complex, uh, Organization and in, in vegetation management, uh, despite our our very early uh, uh, expectations, is is as Phil said, quite complicated. It's such a narrow and niche um, area that that you focus on. Is is it competitive? Like, is there a lot of players out there? Like, I mean, I only can think of like a handful, but yeah, it it it, it is. I think that there there's a very small number of of companies that do you know kind of exactly what we do. Um, but there, there is a lot of technology and there are a lot of ways of coming at this. I mean, in a way, spreadsheets are competitive with, uh, with what we do. Um, and then, you know, there, there are a lot of more point solution type tools, smart form tools. Um, you know, we, we partner with Esri for all of our underlying, you know, geospatial technology and server technology. And I mean, they're tools that Esri offers that can be pretty easily configured to do parts of this. Um, and then, you know, there, there, there's an interest, um, in, within the utility industry of, you know, can we do this with existing tools? So, you know, looking at ERP systems, uh, looking at things like SAP or Maximo that do kind of enterprise level work management, financial management. You know, a lot of what we do is very relevant to, to those systems. And there have been attempts to, you know, try to just build a front end to your enterprise work management, um, you know, and those have, those have kind of achieved varying success. I think that that, that approach or, or, you know, that kind of looking at enterprise work management platforms as a, as a way to give vegetation management organizations, you know, their day to day management tools and field dispatch tools. I think the industry is concluding that, you know, maybe it's better to to have a, a more purpose built tool for 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 the operations day to day and just kind of roll up the relevant information to to the enterprise. But yeah, there's still um, there's a lot of activity, a uh, lot of uh, I think there's a lot of capital uh, coming into utility vegetation management, a um, lot of investments uh, around remote sensing. Uh, there are technology tools that are coming out of that. So um, it's a it's an active space. We you know we we have a very mature solution. Um, we we. But but we certainly wouldn't say that you know we're we're without competition. Chris, I understand Clarion has draws on a lot of global resources, uh, has a global reach. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, and then uh, talk about cyber or how security is affected by that? Because I know a lot of utilities probably are interested in data that never leaves the continent. Is that true? Very true. Uh, all of the above. So yeah. So, um, so my co-founder, um, is, um, a guy I met about 20 years ago. He had moved to the States from Israel, uh, worked at Intel and, um, we hired him at my previous company and then we started clearing together. Um, he ended up, uh, moving his family back to Israel. Um, so we've been running the company, uh, uh, as a global organization for over 10 years. We have a, we have a team in Israel, developer team in Israel. Um, and then about five years ago, we began developing a relationship with, uh, some software developers in Ukraine. And, um, 
they're they're all in eastern Ukraine, so you know, a long way from from the conflict that's going on. But um, you know, with uh, with cybersecurity, you know, uh, critical infrastructure protection, um, you know, it's just the 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 concerns over how our customers' data is secured, how our products and our product development process is secured, is obviously top of mind. So. Uh, you know, we, we onboard all of our, um, all of our team members, regardless of where they are, you know, kind of at a U.S., you know, NERC SIP standard. Um, yeah, there's an enormous amount of product code security. Um, you know, some, some technologies that we're leveraging around source code management and, uh, um, you know, multi-factor authentication, you know, all, all the cybersecurity buzzwords, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely on top of, um, because, you know, utility companies, you know, maybe five, seven years ago, they wanted to know, you know, is your, if you have, if you have cloud hosting infrastructure, you know, if you're delivering software as a service, um, you know, are, are your servers secure, you know, and, and is your data, um, is your data secure is, 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 our, our customers' data staying, you know, in the U.S. and 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 that's important, and and we achieve that um, um, very well for our customers. But you know, as 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 the U.S. government and 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 the industry groups have started looking, you know, more broadly at grid resiliency and and cybersecurity for 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 our critical infrastructure, you know, that has flowed down into you know things like. I'm sure you all have heard of, you know, everybody gets a background check if you're going to be a contractor and, and then, you know, looking more in, in, you know, deeper into the supply chain, you know, the technologies that we use, um, you know, foundational technology like Esri and Microsoft and, you know, Apple and Android all the way up through the actual code that we build, um, is all, um, uh, very, uh, complexly and effectively, uh, monitored and protected. So it's, it's, it's a, it, it's not a it's not a destination. It's a it's a journey because you know we get we get new questionnaires from you know, utility companies almost every year, saying these are our new standards. This is what you guys need to meet, and and that that's what we follow. Uh, since we're talking about international, um, how does the U.S. Uh, veg management market and its use of technology compare to you know England, the EU, others? Are there things we should be learning? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So we don't currently have a, a customer footprint in, in the EU, um, or, or, you know, anywhere in Europe. Um, our customers are in North America, um, New Zealand and Australia and beginning, we have one, we have one customers of this year in, uh, in South America. I think there's, there's an enormous amount of interest uh, that we're seeing in Latin America, um, around, uh, digital vegetation management tools. Um, and that includes remote sensing plus the you know, kind of the work management stuff that we do. Um, Australia was our first international, uh, the location of our first international customer. Um, well, outside of Canada and in, in, in the U.S., I'll say our first outside of North America customer. And a lot of that was was driven by, you know, wildfire uh, risk management concerns. Um, so, you know, I think that um, there's there's a lot of. Uh, similarities, analogies between what they're dealing with and, and what, what we're dealing with in the U.S. Uh, from an operational and technology perspective. Um, 
what's really interesting though is is looking at you know kind of the different approaches to um, vegetation management that drive how our software gets implemented so for example in New Zealand they have some some really interesting uh, uh, national regulations that um, they just treat tree trimming at the utility level differently than we do here so there's there's kind of this uh, idea of you know, certain landowners, certain, you know, problematic trees, uh, near distribution lines. Um, you know, eventually, uh, the utilities say, you know, this is, this, this could become your responsibility. So there's a lot of kind of, uh, landowner, uh, you know, tree owner, uh, you know, private utility customer type of, uh, communications and negotiations and tree level or parcel level agreements, um, that, that could come into place. Um, but as far as, you know, the technology, I think that Europe, from what I understand, um, is, um, is definitely leaning into, you know, remote sensing. Um, and it's something that we're, we're kind of tracking in terms of how they're, you know, they're leveraging remote sense data and then how we can, you know, help them operationalize that, uh, through our tools. Chris, is your software and your team that you have in place? You know, are they and are you guys able to like sort of pivot and modify uh, the solution for like other utility assets? And um, like, can you basically then say, hey, this is applicable to all utility infrastructure, not just the, the tree side of the business? Yeah. And that's when when we started the company, we, we didn't want to put ourselves out to the market as, you know, kind of a generic mobile, you know, mobile GIS, mobile work management tool. We really wanted to focus on you know, a, a specific problem. And, and the problem that we picked was vegetation management. So I think we're, most of our customers are using our software for vegetation management. Um, uh, it's, it's sort of how, how we're known, uh, mostly in the industry. Um, but, you know, from, from the very early days, uh, we were, we were helping customers, either contractor organizations or, you know, infrastructure owners, managers, you know, the utilities themselves, um, look at other problems, uh, asset inventory, you know, going out and making sure that your asset GIS is, is you know, the poles and, and, and the, the, the structures are in the right place, uh, in your, in your, in your digital asset, uh, records and, you know, or the, all the attributes about them accurate. Um, you know, we would get, uh, a vegetation management organization say, you know, we do all of the core vegetation management workflows and then we also inspect pad mounted transformers. Can you give us a pad mounted transformer inspection form? And, you know, the answer's always been yes. Um, since we re- redeveloped our technology platform, you know, to be web based and, you know, app and phone based, um, and, and leveraging some more, you know, kind of real time, uh, uh, data communication capabilities. Uh, we've preserved our approach to, to software development, which is, you know, these things have to be flexible. You know, you, if you want to go to, uh, you know, a country with, with kind of different regulations, different approaches, you know, we've got to be flexible. We don't want to be building custom software. We want to have a, a, a software platform that can be configured um, you know, without having a bunch of, uh, you know, custom code bases floating around. So we've, we've preserved that and, and we have in the last couple of years gotten much more involved in overhead, uh, asset inspection and maintenance management, both for, uh, electric distribution assets and electric transmission assets. And then 
you know, the other big area for us has been around environmental and sustainability and community engagement solutions that are really integrated into field operations for utilities and, you know, for, for, for DOTs for that matter. Um, um, but that, that kind of reach out to environmental compliance, to, you know, sustainability. I think about the, you know, the, the pollinator habitat initiative, um, uh, is something we've been very involved with. Um, and then just even looking at opportunities to do, you know, things like connecting utility contractors, you know, vegetation management contractors with, uh, you know, nonprofits, uh, that, that, you know, need wood chips. It's incredible. I sit on the board of, a of a, a, a park, um, that, that has a preservation, uh, uh, board. Um, it's actually, um, the last, uh, the last big development that, uh, Frederick Law Olmsted did. So he, he did, uh, a neighborhood in Chicago. And of course, you know, uh, DC, New York, Chicago World's Fair. And then the very last, uh, uh, neighborhood and park that he developed, um, uh, about a hundred years ago is, is in my neighborhood. And it's this beautiful park. And, um, they just, one of their biggest problems is they can't get enough wood chips. <laughs> it's like, wow. Uh, you know, wow. I, I happen yeah. to know, you know, a few thousand trucks a, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a day <laughs> that are just You're burning like, up diesel yes. and yeah. you know, burning up windshield time trying to find a place to dump wood chips. Um, yeah. You're like, I have the, I have the answer. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a win-win in that yeah, situation. That's, great, that's it awesome. Is. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, that, that realization, before I got on the board of the park, I, my, my, my son who's a high schooler, um, during COVID, he, uh, was told he could get some extra credit for his biology class if he went and volunteered at this community farm. Um, it's a really cool organization. They, they, um, grow a lot of food. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's in town, kind of in, in the, in the city of Atlanta. Um, and they, uh, they actually, um, you know, give food to local, uh, schools where they have some, you know, uh, food insecurity. Um, they partner with a, um, a women's, uh, uh, transitional facility for women that are getting out of, uh, the prison system and they get training on, uh, you know, becoming, f- uh, farmers. And, um, and then there's, there's education that goes on. And we went out there to, to volunteer. I went, I went out there and the only thing we did was haul wood chips. And the, the biology teacher, you know, talked all about why, you know, why wood chips are so important for farming. And, you know, we learned about mycelium and, 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 and I said, where do you get your wood chips? She's like, Oh, it's such a pain. You wouldn't believe how hard it is. I'm like, all right. So we connected them with George Power and now they through, through our, through our app. Um, you know, the George Power crews can open up, um, uh, their, their, their crew application and see if there are any, you know, wood chip donation sites that are in need and contact information. It's, it's really simple. You know, it's, it's, and this is why, you know, we talk about, you know, utility vegetation management is, is, it's so serious and complicated and there's reliability concerns. There's, there's safety concerns. There's public perception impacts. There's, uh, regulatory impacts. It, it's very complex and, 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 you know, our belief is that you really, you need a good system to, to manage all of the facets of your program. And you need to be able to peel stuff out for specialty programs. You need to get contractors the right stuff and not the wrong stuff, but you need to bring it all together. So building this, you know, this, this flexible platform, once you get that in place, you're able to, to really innovate 
you know, and things that are easy from a technology perspective, but, but, you know, hard to do if you don't have software. Um, so yeah, so it, flexibility is key for us. And we all kind of live in the same ecosystem. Um, but we're leading very different types of organizations, right? And something that I'm just obsessed with and, and super interested in is always like how other leaders manage their organization. Obviously, we, we went through COVID. You know, you've got parts of your team globally and, and scattered through the U.S. Like, how are you as a leader of, of your company um, able to kind of maintain the culture that you want and the efficiencies that you want? Um, especially in, in the current environment, right? Um, where just the world has changed, you know, dramatically. So what, what's that been like as, uh, as a leader of a software company? Yeah. It, it's, it's been an exciting couple of years. No, no doubt. Um, yeah, with, with COVID, we actually, uh, we actually, uh, moved our Atlanta office, moved our headquarters to flex workspace. Um, we still have, uh, we still have our, our physical space, um, in, in our, our Vermont office. Um, I mean, the, the Atlanta decision was driven, um, you know, largely by traffic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. If you, okay. Well, you're yeah. from Houston, Tej. I, I, I'm, I, I'm I don't from, have to I'm, tell you. I know. It's, I get it. Trust me. I get it. But, you know, we had, so we have all these, we have these cross-functional teams and, you know, what we're finding is that, you know, from, from almost day one, we needed to, to be able to, to, to work, uh, you know, in a disconnected mode, because we had people that were in, in different states. We had people in different countries. Um, so we got good at that. Um, you know, when COVID forced us to, uh, shockingly send everybody home, we were in pretty good position to, to do that. It was fairly seamless. Um, we've since, um, more, more based on just the, the growth and complexity of our organization. You know, we've grown our teams really in, in every, you know, kind of functional role. You know, we've got just a lot more people here, uh, at clearing than, than we did, uh, you know, even before COVID started two and a half years ago. So, you know, we're implementing a lot more, um, just really good, you know, work management. Uh, you know, kind of software company, uh, you know, systems, you know, we're, uh, I'll give a plug to Atlassian. We're a big Jira shop and, um, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Zoom, Slack has, you know, has been, you know, our, our, our blessing and, you know, sometimes our curse if we are on nine hours of Zoom meetings a day. But as far as the culture goes, you know, it's, it, that, you know, that's always been a challenge, of course, right? You know, you're bringing in people, you know, bringing people from the utility world that don't really know software, bringing in, uh, you know, software people, um, that really need to understand, you know, the problem that we're solving and, and, and why it's so important. You know, it's, 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 it's vitally important. And there's so many opportunities to, you know, not just help these professionals be good at their jobs, but also to help them, you know, innovate, you know, Outside, like we talked about with, with some of the ways that, you know, utilities can give back and just improve the experience that their customers have with them on what's sometimes a fairly unpopular thing of trimming trees or removing trees. Um, and then, you know, communicating to, to, to the team at Clearian, you know, why, you know, why, why do we believe in, you know, things like pollinator habitat? You know, it's, it's not just cause, you know, 
butterflies are pretty to put on your website, but you know, it, it, it's an endangered species, uh, situation. And, you know, uh, one of the things I learned from the, from the right away, uh, uh, habitat is working uh, right away as habitat working group is, you know, in a lot of cases, a third of the cost of the food that we eat, uh, is just the cost of pollinators, right? Uh, so <laughs> it's crazy. And so, um, you know, when you find out that, you know, the, the, the work that you do, um, that your kids just can't understand. And your family says after 15 years, like, what do you now? What do you do again? I'd help me understand. It's like, well, you know, you ever heard of a pollinator decline? Well, we're, we're helping with that. And, and, and it's, it's just connecting what we do, which is, it's hard. It's very technical. You know, it's n- no, nobody at a dinner party wants to talk about cybersecurity, but you know, I can tell you I've been on a call this morning about cybersecurity and, 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 you know, talking about servers and, and, um, you know, are we scaling this customer up to be able to support a thousand users, uh, on their on premise, you know, servers? Um, you know, those things are real and we have to be good at that. But I think that it's really important for our team to understand. Um, why this is important more, more globally and, and the impact on worker safety and the impact on reliability and then the things that we can do, you know, uh, in a small way, but in a meaningful way to help, you know, the work that we're supporting, you know, be more sustainable, you know, reduce emissions, preserve pollinator habitats. Cause, you know, if these, if these things happen, I mean, it looks very likely that the, you know, the monarch butterfly is going to be, you know, listed uh, as a threatened endangered species very soon. And that's going to have a real impact on utility companies, any right away management organization and, and their ability to, 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 to work in the way they do. It's probably going to mean more seasonal type of work. And, and so, you know, with the, with the, the right away habitat working group, you know, there's this, this legal framework, uh, that's been negotiated by, you know, utility industry. EPRI's been involved. Um, you know, there's a university, uh, involved, University of Illinois, Chicago. They've negotiated with the federal government this kind of pre-listing, uh, conservation agreement where you can basically begin complying with certain types of, uh, pollinator preservation ahead of the listing so that, there's a little bit more leeway for you to keep working. So basically, you know, the, the Endangered Species Act, you know, when, when the, when the monarch gets listed, I mean, it's, it's real, right? I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's going to have a real operational impact on, on people that are mowing and cutting and, and spraying herbicide. Um, and we need, we need the grid to stay online. We need to, you know, like we, we, we still have to do the work, but, but we got to figure that out. One thing that's really cool about your lens, um, I, I'm a big software person. I, I, I love the digitization of most things. Um, and I feel like you have a bit of a leading indicator sort of perspective, right? Because you're, you're always kind of looking at data and where we're headed. And where do you think we're headed? Do you think that the industry, um, and Phil and I talk about this all the time, like Phil's obviously a, a guru. So he's always like leading us in, in terms of like thought leadership. But from your perspective, I feel like everything you just said, the screaming sort of statement is vegetation management and sustainability and the environmental impact. That integration is going to become more at the forefront, more pronounced and 
almost like it's going to be demanded, right? Like it's going to be a requirement. Is, is that you, is that what you're seeing and feeling? Is that where we're headed? You know, I, I think so. I mean, I, maybe a situation where, you know, I got a hammer and everything looks like a nail, but I mean, I, I do, <laughs> I do, I do think that, you know, that that is where we're going. And it's, it's, you know, some of the things that we're doing now, like, you know, helping, you know, helping utility companies, you know, be better, you know, more cooperative, you know, community uh, partners. Um, I think that those are like neat stories now um, that, that are like, Nice, nice to see that good work going on, but I just, I think that expectation that, you know, we can't just provide cheap and reliable and safe energy. We, we've got to do that plus have some, you know, not just neutral, uh, uh, impact, but, but positive impact in other ways. And, and it just, it's really hard to do those kind of things. They're, 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 they're multi-stakeholder cross organizational types of coordination problems that, um, you just can't do with, without good software. And, you know, nobody's, I don't think any big utility company is going to go buy software just so they can donate wood chips to a local farm, right? It's got like we got to solve their core problem, but yeah, I mean, I think the big trends are, you know, we talked about, you know, connected workforce, um, it, it, the 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 return on investment um, is 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 super obvious. Um, um, it, you know, just getting everybody into a single system where you can streamline communication, you can shorten the time between when the work is done and when it's audited, you know, and these are like really, you know, kind of like obvious, you know, um, not super innovative things, but like if, if you can, if you have a rework for a crew and you find that two days after they do the work, they're probably going to be right down the road. If you find it two months later, they're probably going to be, you know, in a different part of the system. And it's just, it's expensive and there's a lot of lag. Um, so there's, you know, those things are, are, are really a driver. And like, and once you build that, you know, that communication platform, then you can, you can start to innovate. And so, you know, there's, there's connected crews. There's, um, you know, we, we talked about cybersecurity, um, uh, there's there's challenges there around you know can you support bring your own device right and this is a question that uh, that utility companies are, are are wrestling with and 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 sometimes moving at different speeds and sometimes you know coming up with different answers but you know the idea that um, when you bring on a, a contractor um, that they're going to have all the all the equipment they need to do their work that's going to include a smartphone or a tablet where you can securely log in and get your work and then communicate. Uh, you know, back to your, to your contractor manager, communicate back to the arborist, you know, to the, to the Atlas arborist that's doing the, doing the, um, the, 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 the inspections and the safety audits and communicate back to the, to the vegetation manager. Um, the other big trend is, is, um, is definitely remote sensing. Um, I mean, when we, we did our first transmission vegetation management project in 2008 and that, that organization was, you know, in the middle of a LIDAR project. So we were bringing in, you know, tree crown polygons into our software, uh, as early as 2009. Um, it was very expensive to do LIDAR. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it took a long time to get the data processed. And, and this was, you know, a lot of this was like, 
you know, survey grade LIDAR because they weren't just looking for vegetation. They were, they were, you know, rebuilding their, their, their structure models and looking at SAG and all that. But, um, you know, it's, it's taken a long time, but I think we finally got to a point in the, in the cost curve and, and also the speed of processing this data where, you know, there are companies using satellite imagery. There are companies, you know, flying, um, you know, much lower, lower cost aircraft with more powerful, lower cost LIDAR. There are companies flying camera systems and using data that other stakeholders have bought and that are now licensing that for vegetation management. There's, there's more going on in the remote sensing world, um, than, than I've ever seen and, and paying attention to this stuff for, for, you know, a decade and a half. Um, and, um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's here. Uh, I, I don't think that we've answered all the, all the, the, the problems, but, um, you, you add to that the fact that, you know, um, UAVs, uh, are, are, are real. Um, I just saw that, uh, Florida Power and Light just had a, um, a news article. Um, you know, there's a local news story that they just flew their unmanned kind of modified Cessna, um, you know, in the first beyond visual line of sight approval, uh, according to the article, um, I, you know, first, uh, you know, BVLOS, um, outside of a FAA test site. And so, um, it's, yeah, they're and, pretty you know, innovative. They're pretty, yeah. Innovative. So you've got a, yeah. you've, you've got, you've got all these, you've got all these sensors, you've got these aircraft, you've, you, you've got regulations, you know, starting to, to be figured out. We're going to have a lot of remote sense data. And then the question is going to be, what do we do with it? Right. How, how do we, how do we pull the right work out of that data? that that ocean of data and get it to the right people in the field. Hey, Chris, we hear a lot about uh, AI. You know, where is the industry? You know, do you think obviously it's where the future is, you know, but just talk to us a little bit about your perspective. Yeah. So, um, Clearing does is we're not directly involved in, 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 Applying AI to, uh, to, to our work, you know, to our little part of the work, but it's, it's, it's hyper relevant to, to the remote sensing. Uh, and I think that there's a, there's a, there's a part for us in that, but I think that, that, um, that we're, we're not going to be the tip of the spear there. So, uh, I, I, I follow AI and I think we're probably, you know, talking, you know, specifically about machine learning, you know, the sub, you know, this, the, 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 the subset of AI that's applicable to, Analyzing images and, 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 you know, 3D point clouds from, from LIDAR and photogrammetry. Um, y- y- there's no doubt that AI is, is real, right? I, I think I, I might have been Kevin Kelly, but, uh, so somebody that, you know, generally in the technology world, you know, said, we, we think about AI until it works. And then when it really works, we don't think it's AI, but you know, you open Google Maps or Apple Maps and you know, you better believe there's AI going on to, to route you and real time route you. But we don't think about, wow, this is artificial intelligence, right? It's just, it just works. And I have a friend who started a company, um, uh, using machine learning models to analyze, uh, images and content, you know, more for like marketing purposes. And, and, um, uh, it's, it's incredible what, what this stuff can do. Um, and the use cases for, for, for vegetation management are, are, are really, are they're, they're real. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's real work going on. And, and if we can, if we can figure it out, 
than the speed and the accuracy and the usefulness of this this huge um, uh, uh, remote sense data. Uh, this raw data is it's 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 gonna it's gonna happen. Uh, it's gonna it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be very impactful, I should say. Um, so, what do we need to get there, and how fast are we gonna get there? Is um, uh, is a really interesting question. So my perspective on, on AI and machine learning is, uh, you know, look at, um, you know, look at your photo apps. I don't know if you've seen like, you know, Google or, or, or Apple. It's like, Hey, give this person, look at this big group of pictures and tell me who this is. Like, Oh, that's my son. All right. Give them a name and they're just going to keep adding pictures in. And sometimes they'll put a picture in and say, Hey, is this your son? And like, no, that's not him. But these two are. I'm training a machine learning model, right? Um, I, um, uh, if you've ever logged into, um, a website and it's like, Hey, we're not really sure who you are. Uh, you need to click on, you know, the photos that have a crosswalk, right? Or which pic, which, which photos have a, a boat on a trailer, right? You're like, well, you're training a you're training a, 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 a machine learning model to recognize those things. And computers are really good. These these AI you know computer systems are really good at picking up patterns. Um, and so the question is, what patterns can they pick up? I mean, I know that they can determine you know who what's a picture of my 17 year old son, and they can find a baby picture and say this is the same kid, right? Those models have been trained by a lot of people. Uh, on a lot of phones. How do you train a machine learning model on something so niche as vegetation, utility vegetation management? And there are a lot of people working on it. Like I mentioned, there's a lot of new capital coming into the, to the industry. I think a lot of it's focused around, um, remote sensing data processing and AI. Um, and, you know, it's about, it's about, the volume of images and data that you're analyzing and how many people are giving that model feedback. Right. And, you know, it's professional feedback. Chris on that, um, that capital that you're talking about, is that when you say new capital, is that new capital deployed by the existing big players? Is this like completely, uh, independent software players that are saying, Hey, we just see some things we want to solve for here. Like what does this capital look like and where is it really being allocated? I think it's definitely both going on. I think, I think there's some big players that are, are, are seeking to innovate. Um, you know, definitely some, some big names that, 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 you know, people on listening to this and others would recognize, but there's also some, there's some startups that are, you know, getting capital from more traditional enterprise, um, from what I understand, more, more traditional, you know, enterprise, private equity focused, um, uh, folks. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's exciting to see. And, and, um, you know, the, I think the question for the industry is, you know, do, do, do we do what we're doing now, which is, well-funded companies, you know, competing to, to build the best, you know, uh, model to do species identification. I mean, they're extracting, you know, poles and wires. Um, and the, in the better that, that machine learning model gets, the faster and more accurate those data extractions are going to be. And instead of waiting six months to get your data, if these, you know, machine learning models get good, you're going to have much higher accuracy data, much faster. You know, tree health risk from multispectral imagery. Um, I mentioned species identification. Of course, there's just encroachment, encroachments, you know, around the wire. Um, so 
you know, there, there's, there's, there's the approach of let's get, you know, a handful of companies competing and let's see who can build the best model. But that's a little bit in conflict with, you know, the, 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 re, the, the fact of, to my understanding that a model gets better, you know, a model gets better with, you know, more images and more training. So, you know, when, when I, when I, when I take a minute and, you know, step back and think about this, like, yeah, maybe the UAA needs a open source machine learning model that, you know, all these, uh, remote sensing data processing innovators can feed into. And then all of the, you know, all of the, the, the arborists that are doing, you know, desktop review of the results and then, you know, field review of the, of the results, um, you know, they can feed their, their, you know, their, their input, you know, their, their do their validation back into one model and, and that's going to move it faster. Um, and then, you know, the, the, eventually someone will have to go physically to the place where the work needs to be done. You know, ideally, and I think the, you know, the vision is that it, it maybe doesn't have to be an, an arborist needs to look at everything that, that remote sensing identifies, uh, as needing to be to be looked at, maybe we can get that. We're actually working on a project right now with a customer to kind of automate the the um, the 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 determination of what equipment and you know what crew types need to go where, you know, based on terrain and access and all that kind of stuff. That's that's more that's not really a, a machine learning problem right now, but eventually, you know, you got to get somebody there with a with a chainsaw or, or a bush hog. Um, and and hopefully they have the right size, you know, bucket truck and and uh, uh, and and then they've got to do the work. So if I think the play for us is, you know, is the is the is the company that's that's helping get that work out to the right people um, and get them to the right place. Just a few things that we can ask the you know the crew leader, um, you know, or or the or the 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 QA arborist, um, you know. Give some feedback to the machine learning model that way. You know, how good was our species identification? Was this tree really at risk? Um, th- those are some areas where I think we can, we can play. We're definitely going to have to continue this, this discussion, uh, in Atlanta, either at a, at a Braves game or what I can't wait to do is if Georgia Tech ever plays West Virginia, then I get to watch both of your alma maters and both of you kind of duke it out <laughs> in some sporting uh, complex. So. Chris, uh, it. it was it was awesome to have you here today. Yeah. I love the conversation. Um, yeah, fantastic! Can't wait to see you uh, very soon, my friend. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Thank Tej, you, Tej. Thanks for the invite, Phil. Great yeah. to talk very to you. Very good. Thank you, Chris. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right, guys, be well. That's it for this episode of Trees and Lines, brought to you by Iapetus Holdings. If you like the show, please give us a five star rating on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments on any of our episodes or ideas for topics or guests, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at treesandlines at iapetusllc.com. We'll chat with you soon.